0: Welcome to the weekend Sports Cars, part of Marshall Pruitt's podcast collection from Daytona International Speedway in the 62nd running of the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona at uh, what is termed the World Centre of Racing. When you see this place and the scale of it, Stephen Kilby, who joins me for what is going to be a preview of this great race. Uh, It's an impressive place, isn't it? Yeah. It's been four years since I was last here and... It's
1: one of these big endurance races where every time you come, it just makes a little bit of step. Love a step up this year. It's just, yeah, an astonishing field and a massive crowd that we've seen.
0: It is so far. I mean, uh, the raw busier than we've ever seen it before. Uh, Parking uh, completely filled in the infield in the raw uh, last weekend in freezing cold weather. That four-year gap for you, that will teach you next time that the law enforcement people here are serious and when they tell you you can't come back into the country for four years they mean it <laughs> <So that's laughs> all good. but let's talk about some of the storylines here, it is four classes it's a new look again for the Weather WeatherTech Sports Car Championship LMP3 has been parked for WeatherTech at least so it is GTP, LMP2 GTD Pro and GTD, four fabulous fields of cars
2: um, real Quality in depth in each of them. Time to say a big thank you to our show partners on the Marshall Pruitt podcast, starting with FAF Technologies, build to print composites manufacturing company. They're specializing in medium to large scale automotive, motorsports, and military applications. Visit FAFTechnologies.com. It's P F A F F Technologies.com to learn more about their services and how they can benefit your business. Next, it's the Justice Brothers. Makers of premium additives, lubricants, and cleaners have been servicing the automotive and motorsports industries for more than 85 years. With victories in all of the biggest North American motor races, including the Indianapolis 500 and the 24 Hours of Daytona, the Justice Brothers products are truly race-proven. Learn about their vast history and range of offerings at justicebrothers.com. If you're fond of awesome motor racing collectibles, including FAF Motorsports McLaren gear and goodies, pay a visit to torontomotorsports.com. And finally, we have a new online merchandise home for the podcast, the Pruittstore.com, where all the show stickers, models, racing memorabilia I'm trying to sell and put towards our fund to buy a house is now live and rocking, The I sort
0: of feel as if we should start in the opposite direction of uh, performance. Let's start with the two Pro-Am uh, classes, GTD, 23 cars I think we've got there mm-hmm. lots of new new teams, new cars and that'll be repeat, uh, repeated uh, theme as well with GTD Pro new lineups, new drivers all over the place and we're not again really very sure what to expect, we saw some wholesale balance of performance changes coming into this race weekend after the Raw a degree of controversy is normal and as is normally the case for you and I in our daily sports car, day jobs, we're not going to dig too much into that because there's so much politics and so much game playing, it's sort of pick your side. And I'm a firm believer in picking your side and picking the part of the debate once we've seen what happens in the race itself.
1: Mm. Yeah, and on that front everyone you speak to seems to have a problem with it in some way, so they're all going to be about the same speed if you're
0: on that merit but The one thing we can absolutely guarantee is that no one's going to be hiding anything during the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona, therefore you know any spirited debate should really come after we see just exactly how the cars perform uh, over 24 hours. It is a very different 24 hour race uh, famously it's about sticking to the lead lap or getting back to the lead lap because the rule sets here at IMSA helps you to do that if you had a problem earlier in the race. It's about sticking around and being there for that last two hours, one hour, and then what almost inevitably is going to be a sprint to the finish. We always get a great finish to a race in these IMSA endurance Stephen.
1: Yeah, we do. And I think all the drivers are ready for it, aren't they? All the teams are ready for it. And... What's really interesting about this G T D field if we're looking at looking ahead to the race is that you've got a really good mix of new cars that are very, very new and some cars that are tried and tested and actually, I think one of the things that most people do agree on with the things like the BOP change is that they were going to expect something like that this week because there's so much new in this field that they were never going to get through the week and having nailed it by the raw in terms of the balancing.
0: Well, in GTD, we've got those new cars here. Uh, It's the first time at the Rolex 24 for the Evo version of the McLaren that debuted last year at Sebring, Uh, but potentially more significantly, it is the evolution version of the Aston Martin Vantage GT3, which will not be called the Evo, by the way. That car, yet to be actually formally launched, but is here racing with Hard of Racing and Magnus Racing. And then you've got the two real big banger um, you know, names here, Ford and Corvette, both with brand new cars. The Ford Mustang GT3, a Multimatic-built uh, car in the hands in GTD of Proton Competition. And then the new Corvette. New, you say? Because we have the C8R, of course, the, the converted GT uh, LM car in GTD last year. But that car, the Z06 GT3R... Really does look different. Mm. It has a different profile.
1: It almost looks a bit shrink wrapped in places. It's just more refined. In some places, it's more. It seems more aggressive. And the feedback from the drivers is um, that it's it's not completely alien. If you've driven the CAR GTE or the GT3 version of it that ran in GtD before, but it's refined enough and it feels fresh enough that there is some learning to do there.
0: I, I mean, it's, it's it's a great storyline. We'll we'll get into that more with GtD Pro. The key question here, though, is what do we expect for the overall performance over 24 hours of those brand-new cars? Is it something we might see that form emerges. is it too early we have seen some problems for some of the Corvettes there's been electrical, electronic problems that has required engine changes uh, through the, the field with the, with the new Corvettes but the performance has been pretty good the Mustangs have sort of yo-yoed up and down the timing and scoring through the weekend Aston Martin sort of the same mm. uh, the McLaren looked pretty good but then that's probably the least radically changed of all of them they're the four newbies and then you've got the proven contenders uh, with you know with BMW and their package, with Porsche that was properly troubled here last year but seemed to come out the box punching this time. The Ferraris that really struggled here last year with problems with floor uh, fix, uh, fixes, and uh, that's uh, floor mountings that cost two of the cars a race finish last year then the Lexus, uh, the Mercedes AMG, uh, always a package that that runs very well here and is a really good, balanced uh, effort. And then there's the one that for me has been there and thereabouts at the top of the timing and scoring throughout this week in testing and in practice sessions and that is the Acura NSX. Mm. Now that car um, fundamentally different weather conditions by the way from the raw where it was freezing cold here um, it's much warmer, and be warmer again, and we expect some rain as well, uh, potentially through the Rolex 24 uh, this weekend. But we're hearing from Catherine Legg uh, in the media room just yesterday that it's a fundamentally different car in this weather compared to what we saw uh, at the Roar last week. Let's hope that doesn't um, stymie their run, because... There is potential here for a little bit of history. Three Hmm. female drivers in that car, plus Stephen McAleer. Of course, we've got the Iron Dames in the number 83 um, Lamborghini Huracan, uh, the four girls that we've seen in competition in the FI World Endurance Championship. Three uh, female drivers that won in GTE Am at the end of last season, plus Dorian Pan, who's a real fine for the Iron Dames and we will be doing single-seater racing for much of this season as well. Two storylines there. Acura, Lamborghini, both proven packages, both with the potential to create a real global headline for this race. Let's talk about the cars first these proven packages first and let, let's talk about what has been a a rolling storyline through sports car racing what i think we're all very proud of which are teams finding that female talent not just in the driving seat but actually also through the whole of the team organization
1: mm, yeah it's, it's, a, it's nine women in the race isn't it and A record, that, yes believe. it's a record and they're all doing incredibly well um and i think like you're saying Katherine Legg was in the media room yesterday, and there's quietly there's some quiet confidence there she's she was saying not only um have they been you know up to speed very quickly because they know the car but she explicitly said it's the best car she's ever driven here yeah it's set up so well this year but you know of everything i think mean, she's been here 12 times now yeah and this is the one that she feels most confident about
0: yeah well gradient racing we know have got form for uh, putting out great results in the enduros they, they you know come here it was a win in 2022 at Petit Le Mans in the gtd class out of seemingly nowhere but they were there and they're about throughout it is a different driver lineup but there's a lot of familiarity behind the scenes with gradient racing that car's one to watch the iron dames two it's not a new car to them remember because whilst they're transitioning in the wc from porsche in gte to gt3 they've been running this lamborghini throughout 2023 in SRO rules racing Mm. so it's a platform they're familiar with uh, and comfortable with their lamborghini is a car that has had success here at the rolex 24. it's had class winning success in recent years there are a well-drilled squad They've got all sorts of uh, opportunities here to shine. They've not really been at the cutting edge yet this weekend. Uh, But as we've seen before, that can come. The the key is that across
1: the Lamborghinis, they've got some astonishing driving talent from the factory roster here and you know they're all going to be installed at the end of this race and if it is a dogfight with like 10 cars on the lead lap or 10 cars plus on the lead lap at the very end and there are pro cars to deal with they're just as capable of uh, even if the p- outright pace isn't necessarily there through the night or in certain conditions, it wouldn't surprise me if Lamborghini were right there at the end
0: uh, I think you're absolutely right and, uh, and by the way that uh, means not just the Iron Davis, but also the Forte car uh, uh, the Andretti-entered car. Oh, it, the, there are some properly impressive lineups in GTD. 23 cars, as we say. And very few of them, Stephen, have seen any kind of trouble this weekend. The biggest trouble hit the number 92 car, or rather the 92 car hit trouble, uh, with a big shunt in qualifying that required them to rebuild the car and the chassis of the 91 car, which was withdrawn from the race in the lead-up to... Uh, race week, so 92 car back in one piece and running well. But they were the only car in that 23 that uh, had trouble. Don't want to ignore, by the way, the Lexus. No big brutish thing that it is. Um, we ha- we are seeing these big V8 powered monsters, and I'm including the the uh, the uh, Mustang in that as well, performing very well on the high banks here. Don't count the number 12 car out no. uh, here. Um, the big, but the thing is, they've been quick, and lest we forget, the only
1: car that's not received a BOP change, the BOP has changed around the Lexus. Yeah. Every other car's had tweaks, and even after the tweaks are made, still been there or thereabouts. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me with the way that Vasa Sullivan run their cars. And we're going to talk about that, I'm sure, in GTD Pro as well, but is yeah.
0: exactly that point, which is Vasse Sullivan, superbly well-drilled, and... If this is a race that could be won on pit lane as well as on track, you've got to say you'd be looking at Vassar Sullivan to be uh, some of the ones there at the pointed end of the, uh, of the spear. Uh, so not counting out AWA and their brand new Corvettes, but that's going to be a tale of whether or not the reliability as well as the pace is going to be there this early in the car's development. The same with the Proton. Mustang, which
1: did complete the most laps in the raw of all of the brand new cars in the yep. field in GTD and GTD Pro. That proton car went round and round and round. They did, and that's what they needed. Every to do. lap they wanted to do, they completed it.
0: Absolutely. Looking further uh, up and down this order, looking at the up, Preston uh, AMG, that car looking strong, uh, the Wright uh, Motorsports car, that's a slightly separate storyline, perhaps not been there at the, the sharp end of the times, but of course that's a big storyline in terms of the other big news story here this weekend. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot more of that car than probably any other car in the Rolex 24 later. Uh, in its life, because this is the film car together with the Turner Motorsport number 96 uh, that features in the Brad Pitt movie, still to come the Apex GP, untitled movie around motorsports. I've got uh, to say, it's probably a record
1: for the most amount of 992 Porsches in one paddock at the same time it, because you've got it, yeah. all the ones entered in the race and a fleet four of more. additional
0: cars. Four more, and all those four, by the way, now uh, identically liveried and weathered to. Uh, the number 120 car. So that's the film car. Brad Pitt, we should make clear, is not driving in this race. They are doing filming around this race. That team has its own pit stand, its own pit garage, its own hauler, and four, count them, four uh, Type 992 Porsche 911 GT3Rs to play with, uh, as well as two turner BMWs that are not entered in this race but are identical to the number 96 car that is in the race, and the fabulous 2000 of B2K40 film red car which uh, in conversation just a couple of days ago, the ex-Phil Crichton motorsport car that raced here in 2001 and its prior service was raced by, amongst others a very young, Oliver Gavin no. <laughs> that very car he's raced that very car of that's, course he has that's, G- <laughs> that's GTD It's probably the, the, I think it was yellow at the time as well which doesn't surprise anyone. all anybody. the paint's been rubbed off there it GTD, 23 cars. Pick 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 one. Pick your winner. Ooh. I'm gonna go for the Lexus.
1: I, I was that, that was my first choice as well, was the Lexus. Um, could go out of left field and say Proton have got got enough if the, if the car hang, hang if the car's there at the end I'm yeah. going to go with the Proton Mustang. I think it's been, uh, to me, that's been a really impressive effort so yeah.
0: far. I'd love to see the 66 Gradient Racing Acura do it. It's the one Acura in the race, uh, and there's history there to be made. Should that happen? But for me, I think the number 12 uh, Lexus looks very strong across the uh, across this race. And uh, let's just see what uh, what we find out on Sunday afternoon. We move forward to GCD Pro now. This is a spectacular push forward for the IMSA Sports Car Championship this year. It's 13 cars for a couple of re- different reasons. So it's a boosted grid uh, of uh, GTD Pro cars this season with multiple marks. With, you know, BMW, Lexus, McLaren, Corvettes, Lamborghini, Aston Martin... Uh, Ferrari, the Ford Mustangs, of course, and did I mention Mercedes-AMG and Porsche? Rexy. Is in there with A. O. Racing as Porsche's representative, and we'll uh, start from pole. And we'll start from pole position. The first time ever, Dinosaur has started from pole position since Oliver. No, no, don't take, <laughs> don't, don't don't get down the Oliver Gavin road. Um, but the big storyline this this year, without a shadow of a doubt, is the two newest cars on this grid. We mentioned them in G T D, but it is two de facto factory efforts: the Ford uh, Mustangs, the Ford Multimatic Motorsports. Uh, Mustang GT3s, and two, Corvette Racing by Pratt Miller Motorsports, Corvette Z06 uh, GT3.Rs. That is going to be a storyline through this season. It remains to be seen, Stephen, whether or not we're yet at a point where it's going to be the storyline here, but let's talk about that. It is absolutely a four-car battle that will draw eyes that perhaps have not been watching This IMSA series in previous series to this race, to this racing, to those efforts and to see those two brands, those two huge American brands taking on some of the best teams with the best cars in the GT3 GTD. Uh, pro class that the IMSA Tech Sports car Championship will throw at it.
1: Yeah, no, the fans are going to come out for this one and actually you can already see it. I was walking down Vendor Row earlier on and you've got really big displays from Ford, really big displays from Chevy and they're getting a lot of people wandering around, engaging, you know, really keen to show their colours and it's great to see for a race like this that you've got that added Battle within a battle because it's it's not like we're going to have just four cars at the front in GTD Pro. Nope. It's going door to door. There are going to be loads of other cars in the mix, and with it being GTD, with the cars being exactly the same, who knows who's going to come out on top yeah, at the end of this one?
0: It's effectively a 36 car class. <laughs> Two <The three laughs> battles between them. You know, and there are storylines galore. The number one car is the Paul Miller Racing BMW stepping up from the championship win last year in GTD to be GTD Pro. The prior champions to that. From 2022, Faf Motorsport with a high profile switch to McLaren mm. with a 720S uh, GT3 Evo. And what a driver lineup they've got! Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. an amazing lineup. I just misspoke, by the way. Of course, they're the prior champions in. Uh, GTD Pro, because last year's champions are back with probably the most stable effort of the lot in terms of what did they have last year, what they're bringing back this year, and what they're bringing back this year, Fassa Sullivan, is their sledgehammer of uh, Lexus RCF GT3. And, you know, a very well drilled team and driver lineup that you cannot count out. Rizzi Competizione here, uh, back with a second year for the Ferrari 296 GT3 and a fleet of factory talent. <laughs> a, a, a absolutely stellar talent lineup there. If that car is up to the uh, is up to the, the the fight then there's no weak links in that driver lineup. Two Lamborghinis as a result of the reclassification of the 60 car and some real factory talent there including some new factory talent of course to Lamborghini for this year the number 19 and the number 60 both from Iron Links. The new look, new feel. Uh, Aston Martin for Heart of Racing. And you know what? (laughs) Heart of Racing, one of those teams that has just emerged as a real force. Whenever those guys turn up, you've got to see them as being a threat here, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Mercedes-AMG's effort is headlined by Sun Energy 1. Kenny Harpel bringing along another galaxy of talent, as we said a little earlier, three factory talents in the uh, AIA Racing Porsche 911 GT3R. Ceprio, uh aboard that car with Lauren Heinrich. Um, two young men who are surely going to be part of the GT3 racing future for many years to come. And Michael Christensen, factory hypercar driver, adding real steel to that effort. I, I'm going to ask the question, pick me a podium from that lot. <laughs> It's and it really is tough and the fact that it is this tough the fact that you know what I'm almost feeling as if I'm counting out the Corvettes and the Mustangs because the cars are so new to make the task easier to name three because absolutely anybody in amongst that lot there is it's it's world championship level GT racing in that class it's 13 cars uh, up from, I think, nine last year. Yeah. And the vast majority of those cars are full-season cars this season. It is going to be a major storyline for sir. Evidenced by the fact that their Win the Weekend, Fly on the Wall documentary series will focus on GT yeah. uh, this year, quite correctly so, Definitely. after uh, focusing on the new GTP class uh, last season. It, I think it's going to come down to... Who stays out of trouble without a shadow of a doubt? There's 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 few, if any, of those cars, which is why I named the new cars as the ones that are unproven, they're not unreliable, they're unproven. There's few, if any, of those cars that there should be any real reliability concerns about. Um, and it really is pick any three from 13 yeah. in
1: that lot. I'm looking, I'm finding it hard to look past Rizzy too much. Which competition. I mean, you're bringing two of the current reigning Le Mans champions to this race in Alessandro, P- Alessandro Piguidi and James Collado. Daniel Serra, who's a star in his own right, and always been underrated, in my opinion, uh, for his abilities. And David Regon, another all-time superstar in Ferrari's GT ranks. And they've had a very quiet week, and sometimes... You have a quiet week here, and then all of a sudden in the race you turn it on. I kind of feel like they have a
0: chance here. I, I, I think they do have a chance. I think you're completely wrong, as usual, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, I think Vasa Sullivan. Uh, stellar season from them last year. So you're going for a double win? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think they're hungry for this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've been watching them you know, all week, the way that, they're, that they just look relaxed. They look like they're ready for this one. And again, if that car can stay out of trouble, you've also got to look, by the way, at these cars. It is Daytona. Daytona is a very different look and feel from a lot of the races that we see uh, up and down through the season. Which car can take a hit? And that thing is a tank. Mm. It, it is you know it
1: but is you don't need to be a tank in the case of the fry because you just pull in and just replace the entire front and rear in
2: five <laughs> seconds i don't need the tank
0: uh, yeah but what you do need is uh, plenty of those front and rear clips and it's uh, a matter of just how many have they uh, have they got they are impressive pieces of engineering those front and rear clips but boy how expensive um and i think you could probably get a gt4 car for what one of those front and rear clips yeah. costs. <laughs> uh, uh, quite astonishing stuff but I, I go as far as to say, when you look up and down that list, there's not a single car in that list that if they took the win or took a podium, you would say it was a shock.
1: There's no underdog, is there? No. No. I mean, almost, like the, I say, The shock would be if the... If the I think, for me, the, the, the two cars that have struggled the most throughout the time we've been here at Daytona have been the two Corvettes. They've had engine changes, haven't yes. they? And it hasn't quite looked like they've got everything together yet. They've missed a lot of track time. So... That would be the biggest surprise to me if Corvette came up. But then, would it surprise you if Corvette came out and won this? Corvette winning Daytona, not exactly
2: in, in, a shocking shocking American hazard, shocker,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right, and, and, and for me, that is the it's the easiest hole to pick, isn't it? It is, and, and, and the same with the uh, with the the Mustangs as well. Simply, there are going to be points in this event where they're going beyond what they currently know. Yeah. That's the key. And it's then a matter of how good the team. It's Multimatic. They're really, really good. How good is the engineering on the car? It's Multimatic built. It's going to be really, really good.
1: How good's the driver
0: lineup? Uh, uh, Mike
1: Rockenfeller, Harry Tinknell, Chris Meese, Joey Hand, Frederick Vavish and Dirk Muller. That's uh, not bad, is it? That's
0: not bad. It's, that's six of the best, as they say, <laughs> at uh, every uh, fine public school back in the UK. But, um, again, that would be... An amazing storyline for Ford, an amazing storyline for for Multimatic, an amazing storyline for IMSA if they got this battle alight between the two big banger brands in the US automotive field. If that got going at round one, that would be quite something. Imagine how...
1: <laughs> Imagine the look on Mark Rushbrook's face if he could leave Daytona next week, having had the, de- uh, the uh, global debut for the Mustang GT4 ending in a win, as it did last Double weekend, win. and then the GT3 car going out and winning on its debut as well. He'd have
0: to he'd have to book in as excess baggage, as excess, ba- <laughs> excess bag for his smile. I think is what he would go for. Let's move on. So, that's well, well, one bit
1: before we move on, because we haven't touched on the fact that in qualifying in the Royal last weekend. Both classes got their records broken. Well, they did. Oh, very good point. Seb Prio... What a lap uh, in, yes. in the raw last yeah. weekend! He was going for it, and it showed because the BOP hammered him. <laughs> I'm yeah. not kidding, kid <laughs> he was mega in that in qualifying last weekend. It just showed what he's what he's capable of in this sort of company.
0: It did, and it was great to see the kind of pleasure on the face of the young man, wasn't it? it was, and it was Parker Thompson, wasn't it? There was uh, the mm. GT pole sitter, and I think I'm right. Uh, Seb was saying that the last time he did was that the last time he set a pole position, 2021 in the Carrera Cup yep. and Parker was third on that grid. So these these two young men coming up through the ranks to be part of this vanguard of new talent in GT racing is what a pleasure that is to see. And you're absolutely right. The speed here could be extraordinary.
1: Yeah. I'm am really looking forward to that aspect of this and in all and in all of the classes is the pace of this race. Absolutely. If, if it w- runs green Distance records galore could happen.
0: Well, we're then going to move on to the one class that didn't break the uh, their like, records, and for good reasons. This is a because uh, Ben Keating slow. <laughs> no, well. uh, because this is a, <laughs> these are cars that have been reeled in as part of that conversions process. It's LMP2. It's another amazing field. It really is a gathering of the stars, not just in terms of the drivers, but the teams that are now part of this. Some of whom are here for one-offs. Some of whom are here for Michelin insurance cup some of whom are here in fact the majority are here for the full season little doubt that the biggest headline addition to this grid is united autosports with two cars the number two uh, in the wins livery and whilst you might say yeah we had a wins livery before it this f- oh it pops doesn't it, uh, it po- does. in person i, I mean oh. really have done a very good job with that the pr1 uh, efforts with the 52 car and that livery looked great, but this, frankly, just looks that little bit better. There are some beautiful-looking uh, cars in LMP2. They set pole position with a stellar lap from Ben Keating, but he had to be on his A-game yeah. uh, because Nick Müller uh, was closer than I thought he could get didn't surprise Ben, surprised me. Shows how much I know about that form. It was
1: almost the story of lmp 2 qualifying it was not the fact that Ben Keating took pole because we know he's capable of that, but how close the field was behind oh, him. It, it was Because great. that is going to make for a little... Because we were expecting a lot of these bronze drivers to be in the race, burning their time early on. There could be some real battles out there between uh, these guys. They're real stars, some of them now.
0: Don't. So we've got, you know, we, we'll talk about the cars first, I think. And that's pretty simple because it is a field of Orica's bar one. And I want to talk about that 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 Ligier. The car did have some problems this morning, uh, but seems to be okay. Uh, Lance Wills, he just had a bit of a hiccup and dinged the wall, but the car was uh, being put back together as I came through the paddock on the way here just a little earlier. Great to see that Ligier there. Great to see that Sean Creech Motorsport, one of a number of teams that were here in LMP3, have found a pathway back to this championship. As indeed in this class of Riley Motorsport, the 74 car. They've gone the unconventional route with the Liché. It's It has been at the top of the timing scoring um, for some of the, the practice sessions. Yeah. Oh. It's been edging towards the middle bottom for most of it, but it's never been bottom.
1: No, it's not like they've come in and they are in a different stratosphere, is no. it? And I think what was interesting is you had a conversation with me about you know when you were at the media day and you were talking to them at length about their strategy, you know how the program came together, what their expectations are for this race, and I think they're playing a really smart one in terms of the way they're they're planning to manage this oh, yeah. race. They've got <laughs> the driving talent there with Jarl Barbosa and Nolan Siegel and Johnny Edgar around Lance Willsie, means that they're going to get the most out of this car.
0: Well, the, 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 for me, the, the, the weakest and the strongest part of this of this effort is going to be the bronze driver. And I'll explain that because it's absolutely not aimed at Lance Wilsey. The weakest part of it is, Lance is not the quickest bronze driver in this field. Okay, He's not the slowest either. He's one of the more experienced bronze drivers in this field. What he is, is a bronze driver seemingly absolutely absent of ego. And what do I mean by that? Uh, The way he explains it was beautiful. It is about getting his four and a half hours done. Quickly, he says, if I get my four and a half hours done and that car is handed over in a good position on the lead lap and in good order, I've won my Daytona. Okay, the second thing he said is, if I have to double and triple stint tyres so be it, because the game is to hand over that car in good order, with as many tyres available to the three quick guys for the remainder of the race put that team in a position where they can push that is smart stuff from Short Cree- Sean Creech Motorsport and for the guy who almost certainly is bringing the biggest part of the funding package that shows a real team commitment, a commitment to the result why? Well, one because he's a nice guy, two because he's a smart guy, and three because he does not want to be second for a fourth consecutive year, which is what they did in LMP3. Finished second here uh, all three years that this was part of the IMSA WeatherTech SportsCar Championship. That's uh, quite aside from, by the way, Stella um, Stars and Stripes livery from our mate Andy Blackmore. You're not going to miss it, are you? You're not. Beyond that, we're then into two or three debates. The debate about where are the real strong players in the bronze side of things? The teams that have got the ability to manage that that race strategy to get uh, and circle round to the star drivers to come, and then the quality and depth that we've got, and boy is their quality yeah. in the drivers that are still to come once that, that bronze time is burned, if they all choose to do what most of them, I think, will, which is get that done early. In terms of the bronze drivers, you mentioned Ben Keating, sits atop the monument to bronze talent without a shadow of a doubt. But He's the bar. He's got the target on he his is, back He this. is absolutely the bar, but there's no doubt there are others that are looking jealously towards that and beginning to edge closer towards that standard. Stand up and be counted, George Kurtz in the 04 car. That is the CrowdStrike Racing by APR, the Michelin Endurance Cup champions from last season.
1: Safe to say, PJ Hyatt, taken to LMP2
0: racing very well and very quickly. I think it's going to take him time to get to the level we're at. We saw him in really feisty form. Uh, in the Asia Le Mans series uh, before Christmas, I think it will take him time but he's got a lot of time to do that here the best thing about that in Spike, the number 99 car the <laughs> purple dragon liveried uh, Orica, is he has got that time here and whilst they are going to be pushing to be competitive they're playing a long game, he's got a great team behind him, he's got good drivers alongside him and they're coaching him along without a shadow of a doubt so there's him there. Eric Locks knows how to win this race um, in the 81 um, Dragon Speed car, the car with the Rothmans Tribute livery uh, <laughs> aboard that car. It looks fabulous. It does. Um, Dan Goldberg in the other uh, United car, the 22 car, in the more traditional United colours, uh, I think could be somebody who can push hard here. Stephen Thomas in the 11, T- 11 TDS car, a brighter yellow on that car uh, without a out as well don't ignore the 52 car now this is pr1 mattison who knows how to win this race but in the colors of their collaborators this year into Europol so it is into Europol by pr1 mattison motorsports what and, a combination that is uh it is and you know what it's going to be difficult to not beyond that car when we're talking about who might win this race nick belay in that car um I thought was stellar in qualifying, and mm. I've been watching his times through this week, and it's been very impressive indeed. And I can't finish talking about the um, the bronze drivers without talking about Gar Robinson stepping up as champion in LMP3. Yeah. Finding his feet, they've they've had some ups and downs this week, but I think once they settle into. To their comfort level we're going to see better and big improvements from there and a welcome back to John Ferrano after injury yes. uh, to Tower Motorsports he's had a, a quick chat with John he's feeling good he's, I think he's finding his confidence in his pace that I hope will come through what is going to be a tough um, reintroduction to endurance racing to come back in a 24 hour race after a back injury um, and that's a back injury that hung around for quite a while. Fair play to him coming back and doing this
1: race first. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's going and doing a, you know, a smaller prototype experience somewhere where there's no crowd no. and nobody watching. No. He's thrown himself into this.
0: So there we have it. That's, uh, that's a quick run through the LMP2 pack. I think this is going to be a cracking race. I was talking to a couple mm. of the guys from the NBC TV crew. Uh, at and around the media day and they were were saying having spoken to the teams spoken to the drivers they think this is going to get more airtime than perhaps we've seen in the last couple of years and I think he deserves it as well End of this race could be just phenomenal. I which mean, he was last year. You well, know.
1: Just, uh, the, the, the biggest compliment you can make to the driving talent is the fact that you've got a list of LMP2 drivers like this, and you've got Felipe Massa amongst them, and we've not even mentioned his name
0: yet. There you go. I mean, just picking out some of the names here: uh, Paul Up and the AO Racing Car. Um, I was approached for advice uh, by a team, I won't mention which, and they asked me for if you had the choice of any driver in LMP2. Who would you choose that might be available right now? And Paul Chatan, I can tell you, was on a very short list mm-hmm. uh, of that. Nick Nielsen, a current Ferrari hypercar driver in the 88 car, a car we've not mentioned yet from AF Corsa. Uh, you look uh, beyond that, James Allen, who won the race last year in the in the Dragon Speed car, and he's there with Kiffin Simpson, who's a real um, talent in the making. A proper
1: here. steady hand. He was in the EL- ELMS he last was, year. It didn't great. take him any time at all to get... Used to his role of just going out there and just setting the same lap time over and over again in a racing scenario and bringing the car back with no dents
0: on it. Absolutely right. The 52 car, we mentioned the Inter Europol car, and Tom Dillman there, um, a talent massively underused in the Van Waal effort in the FI World the Jones Championship last year and was rudely dumped by them. I think he's going to turn heads in that car mm-hmm. for, for sure.
1: Lilo Wadu, Mathieu Vaxivier alongside Nick Nielsen in the 80. I mean, that is a cracking trio there alongside Luis Peres-Compank. Uh,
0: it is indeed. Then you get to the Ligier and for me, the big um, name there. Apart from the guys won it more than once, Joe Barbosa, but lo- watch for Nolan Siegel in that mm. car because I think he's going to be pretty special. Felix Rosenquist, Paul DiResta in the 22 United car. Two huge talents there. In the uh, number 20 car from high-class racing, Lance Herr, an emerging European talent. Uh, great stuff there as well. Christian Rasmussen uh, in the era motorsport car, as well as the hugely experienced and still very rapid Ryan Diel. Uh, Charles Malacy, another hypercar driver. Mm -hmm. uh, Alpine this time uh, is going to be aboard the TDS uh, racing car. Mikkel Jensen from a different hypercar in the same car. So it's an Alpine and a Peugeot driver in that car. Scotty McLaughlin um, in the... Is there anything car. he
1: can't drive fast? Uh, no.
0: <laughs> uh, and Fody Habsburg, yet another WC hypercar driver this coming season. Then we get into the final two. That zero four 4 car alongside uh, George Kurtz, a man who should be in a hypercar. Colin Brown, uh, full season pairing with George in the zero four 4 car. Toby Sowery, I've been impressed with through this week yeah. uh, in that car. And First 24-hour
1: Mel- race for
0: him. Is it really? Yep. Melty Jakobsen. Uh, I'm not going to get boring about Melty Jakobsen. I just think that is... If you had to name now, Stephen, a guy in that field who's not currently a superstar who's going to be, it's Melty Jakobsen. Mm. Named this week, by the way, as not a development driver for Peugeot, but their reserve driver. And that shows huge confidence by a massive... Um, factory team that we might well see him in the top class car very soon and then we get to the number two car alongside Ben Keating Nico Pino from Chile uh, a definite prospect moving forward Ben Hanley who was involved unfortunately on the wrong end of for him rather on the wrong end of that uh, uh, drive for the line that was taken by James Allen by uh, m- s- some small number of thousands a second last year and then that uh, crew rounded out uh with the quality of his Pato award um i'm going to put my cards on the table that's my pick for the win the 2 the 2
1: i'm going to go with the 88 Are you going to go the 88 yeah i just you know what can you say if if Paris compact does his drive time and he keeps you know keeps it steady it's going to be a fist fight in the garage to, for who's going to actually take the end of the race. I think,
0: you know, you're looking at the way it could go, the 2, the zero four, 4 the 52 we talked about a little earlier. Uh, those three, absolutely, in terms of the quality of the effort, don't count out the Dragon Speed team. They know how to win this race. They've done it twice, I think, in recent years mm-hmm. in LMP2. That's another one we shouldn't overlook. But there's two or three beyond that, that if it falls their way... If they can stay out of trouble, if that bronze time can be burned and that car is at or around the lead group, there's two or three others that could be there as well. LMP2 should not be missed. It's going to be absolutely epic. Yep, definitely. And we are still not talked about GTP at all. And here we go into the final ten cars of what, this 59-car grid.
2: I make, <clears throat> I'm going b- <clears> to <throat> make a prediction, and it's going to come right and to heck with all of you who laughed at me, <laughs> zero LMP3s will finish this race.
0: <laughs> Marshall Pruitt, you probably heard eating his lunch in the background after another, another massive uh, effort to produce video content. For. Zero. A, none. No, no LMP3 cars. I think Deal we can... with
2: it, people. <laughs> we finally got it right. <laughs>
0: but what we've got here is a group of 10 Uh GTP cars here, Stephen Kilby. It is two times sorry, it's four times two factory-backed cars and two privateer Porsches. So let's go through them. Let's let's deal with these cars in terms of the storylines, uh, make by make, and we'll start with Acura.
1: Okay, let's start with Acura. The, I'd say probably the this is the effort that looks most on the back foot so far. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, and it's another. One. I'm not comfortable ruling them out though because you know what we know what that car is capable of, and we know what the drivers and the team are capable of. But in terms of the pace, they've not had the pace yet, and they do seem to be admitting the fact that they don't think on. If this was a sprint race, Jensen Button said earlier today, no chance. They
0: think the car's heavy. Yeah. yeah so the first thing to say is it is of course a two car WTR Racing with Andretti effort this year the 10 and the 40 the f- second thing to say is both those cars look absolutely gorgeous yep. the liveries they've uh, delivered those cars with this year are amazing, they're going to be I think fan favourites everywhere they turn. A wheel, particularly on a sunny day, because they just pop. Uh, in the ten, it's Ricky Taylor, Felipe Albuquerque, Brendan Hartley and Marcus Erickson in the number 40 car. So it's the blue car is the number 10, the red car... Uh, Ricky's brother Jordan uh, returning to the family team and linking up with uh, Louis Delétraz, Jensen Button and Colton Herta. There is not a weak link in those eight. It's going to be about whether or not that car can be on the ultimate pace.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It's, it's, it, we know it's reliable. It's a rock solid car. We know that Wayne Taylor, if they can strategize their way back into this race, if they do fall behind, they're going to be fine. It's just, it's going to come down to that dogfight at the end and whether they've got the ponies to do it.
0: Yeah, I think the worry I've been hearing, we heard it from, uh, we, I sat down with both the Teller brothers at the media day, what seems like about 14 weeks ago, but it was actually only last Thursday, um, is that they're concerned that they can be in the fight, but ultimately, can they win the sprint to the, to the, to the flag and they don't think they can. Is that a political position? Is that you know, talking down their their chances just to give the others a bit of a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's, that, it's not like they're miles off. No, It's they're not, not like
1: they've been miles off. You, so you don't have wins. to be miles off. No, you don't have to be miles off, but it's not like they look like they're absolutely nowhere, and you know, I I could be easily proven wrong, and you could too, that by the time we get to Sunday, actually, they found a way to win this one.
0: Well, let's wait and see, and we'll, we'll be getting to where we're going to call this race uh, in just a few moments' time. Uh, alphabetically, next is BMW the 24 and the 25. BMW M Team RL with the M Hybrid V8. That car, um, it simply wasn't ready for the fight last year. It was here ready to race, but it wasn't ready for the fight last year. But there's been a huge amount of work uh, undertaken with uh, these cars. They come back and looking far more ready to punch at their weight. Yesy Krone Augusta Farfus, a Falfus Van Ture in the 24. It's Kondo Filippi, Nick Yellowlee, Maxime Martin and Rene Rast in the 25. I love the look of this car. You're not a fan? Mm,
1: it's not it's it's yeah. Mm. It, I I just think that car. What I do love about it are the lights around the sort of kidney-shaped fronts. I think they look really nice. I
0: think the, the thing think for me that is the pure in GTP terms, that's the purest expression of what this this should be, which mm. is it looks like it. there's no doubt that's anything other than a BMW no that's that's true and that for me that's what it's supposed to be about what do we think about the prospects of the Beamers
1: Um, I think they feel like they've got a point to prove because although they won races last year and they were technically in the championship battle and we got to to road Atlanta they didn't Achieve anything like the, what they set out to at the start of the season, especially the 24 car. I'm looking at the 24 car; it, it didn't finish on the podium at all last year in in any race in GTP. They've got a point to prove, and you know what? Jesse Crohn with Furbank and Farfus and Dries Van is a lineup capable of doing that here. Yeah. They just look in better shape. And actually, sitting down with Rene Rest earlier today, he just seems so relaxed. And this is somebody who's having to juggle. Being here for this program, working with the RLL guys, and also testing with WRT, who are taking this car to the World Endurance Championship in the in the coming weeks, and we look forward to seeing what they can do with this car in in Qatar. But there's no, you know, there was no hint that they're they relaxed. Feel, yeah, no, they're just they, the car's been metronomical so far. It's. It looks like a completely different prospect. This is the car that's come the furthest from this time last year, yeah. isn't it? I mean, we said we can. We'll talk about the Porsche shortly. That's been on a journey, but this car really has been on a journey from what it looked like when it first turned up at Daytona last January.
0: It reminds me of one of those times when you walk into a nightclub. Okay, and there's two. You've cr- never been to one. Oh yes, I have.
1: Marshall, yeah. has Graham ever been nightclubbing?
0: Yes.
2: Sadly, he is a strict day clubber. It's yeah. a really bizarre niche
0: thing. They're unit, usually. Okay. But you walk in, there's two groups of young, potentially aggressive males. Okay? There's the really larry loud ones. hmm Let's call them Cadillac. Um, <laughs> uh, they're the guys they're easy to avoid. You know what they're gonna do. It's gonna kick off at some point. Okay. <laughs> and they'll be in the middle of it. There yeah. you go. And you've got the other guys, and they're quiet. Louis Farou in the corner, being they're, inquisitive. They are quiet. Yeah. And they're the ones you should worry about. These guys are quiet. Yeah. They're yeah. the quiet guys of the nightclub. And they just could basically take you down that back alley and give you the hiding of your life. And I wonder whether or not that's what we've got coming here. I think what we're going to see from BMW is, I think,
1: last year... RLL have always been strong here. In, GT, in, yeah, in GTLM, they were strong here. But
0: th- th- last year, at the start of the race, we saw those cars fall off the back of the pack immediately. We're not going to see that this year. I think they're going to be in the fight. I think mm. they're going to be in the fight through to the first pit stops. So I think they're going to try and uh, stay clear of trouble. And I think we might just see a sort of Acura-type display from them here. I could be wrong, but I think they, they're not my favourites for a win. I'll tell you right, right now.
1: They're in the best position possible. They've got a car capable of winning, and everyone's underestimating them. Completely correct.
0: That's BMW. Cadillac next. And the big difference with the uh, the factory-backed teams here, of course, it's one car apiece for two entirely different teams. And is the 0-1 for Cadillac Racing. That's the Chip Ganassi. Uh, racing run team that is for Sebastian Bordet Ranga van der Zander Scott Dixon and Axepelo and in the 31 car the reigning champions a three driver squad Piper Durrani Jack Aiken, and Tom Blomqvist the Whelan Cadillac racing car talk me through those two it's safe to say
1: they've made all the headlines haven't they really all week every session bar one I think has been led by a Cadillac so far and every time they're just banging a time. Yep. You know, and and it's not just the same car. It's been shared out between the 01 and the thirty one. They seem to have the pace. They'll tell you that when it comes to the race and in the conditions they're expecting for the race, they're not expecting to be as outwardly, you know, straight out on the front. But if you were if you're a betting man, it's just so hard to look past these two cars,
0: isn't it? They are rocket ships at the moment. And um, yeah, we were out there watching in the first night session the raw and it was visibly quicker now that doesn't mean a lot but they were pushing and they were pushing hard they were not looking to sandbag for a bop effect here they're coming here with confidence they've done some work there's not big performance changes to these cars at all but they've definitely learned a lot about these cars you spent quite some time with the cadillac and the canassi management in particular There's an air of confidence about it.
1: Yeah, and and I think one of the things that works to their advantage is the fact that you've got two squads that operate under the Cadillac one-team banner, but there is that element of edge between Ganassi, they really want to beat Action Express here. And that adds to the level, just going up and up and up. And it showed, like last year, the fight between Action Express and and Ganassi for Cadillac superiority was really an interesting storyline throughout. And I think... The 0-1 Throughout last season Did have A few mistakes in it They're going to be Looking to change that They really are
0: uh, We're going to Just add in By the way As we uh, run through this Just to, to, to Spool back To LMP2 Because as we're this Recording this a breaking this, exclusive scoop It's a breaking exclusive scoop And it's Pietro Filippoldi is going to be added To this uh, This storyline And he's going to be joining The number 52 car That is the uh, Inter-Europol one Matteson Effort After injury uh, leg and hip injury in a pit lane incident in the final oh. practice session for poor Clement Novelac. That's really bad news, the XF2 racer. So that's bad news indeed, but delighted that young Pietro is going to be there. Um, so, that is indeed a breaking storyline. That does nothing, from, in my mind, other than secure the fact that 52 car are going to be a factor other than the fact that Pietro has not had any track time here yet. Mm. So, that's going to be an interesting one to to watch. So between the two Cadillacs, which are those two? Is, is the difference between a three-driver squad and a four-driver squad going to make a difference? Do we think? Only I in the I think not. I think mean, not. The quality of the drivers you've got. I think not.
1: Yeah, I mean the way that they can manage the drive time through this race, you can almost, if anything, it keeps the drive. If to have a four-driver lineup here, you can keep one or two of you guys fresh for the end of the race yes a lot easier than you can if we're free but there's just no there's no weak links and what Action Express have done is promote Jack Aitken show faith in him he seems confident and extremely comfortable after talking to him yesterday in his new role Peter Durrani is world-class. And then they've gone and taken Tom Blomquist, who won this race last year with yeah. Maya Shank. And he brings something really interesting to the party, which He's is obviously knowledge of the Acura, absolutely. knowledge and of another team, and knowledge of winning this race.
0: And a man that... It's just got... it's just, it's, it's a wonder to me. When you see a driver at the peak of his powers riding that crest of a wave in terms of the confidence he can show... That's something I think the Bronquist can get. For me, I'll call it. Of the two, I'm going for the Action Express car. Mm. Um, we move on from the A, Acura, B, BMW C, Cadillac, to P, and Porsche, Penske, Motorsport, the 6 and the 7 car. The 6 car, Mathieu Jaminet, and Nick Tandy, Ron Fanteur, and Kevin Estre. Uh, before we go any further, by the way, uh, adds in the beautiful little Suisson uh, of uh, of entry that we've got two brothers in two different factory run uh, prototypes and GTP as we're going to have uh, in uh, the WC for the season That's that won't get feisty will it oh no uh, Dane Cameron in the 7 with Matt Campbell Philippe Inezer and Joseph Newgarten. talk to me about Penske Porsche Porsche, Porsche Penske Motorsport um
1: that car, like the BMW, but for very different reasons, has been on the journey since this time last year. Didn't have the reliability, did it, no. in last year's race? This year, they have got that reliability sorted out. We saw throughout the season that actually, once things got going in WC and in IMSA, the 963 is a pretty reliable package. And it matured very quickly in the second half of the season, it's particularly in WEC, where early on, Tire management looked like a nightmare. It, it looked nowhere towards the end of a stint, and they found a way to manage that with car setup and with data and with just generally going round and round and round different circuits. They learned an incredible amount, and it showed. Um, and for that reason, they come into this race with a car that's had small updates, yep. um, but part of the first part of what we believe is a wider update package which is focused mainly on reliability but Late no doubt performance yeah no, no doubt that there will be some effects on performance there that will come later the really big stuff but so far looks like a lot better of an effort from Porsche pensky and they've been up there with BMW challenging the cadillacs Throughout the sessions, in terms of times. No, it doesn't necessarily mean much at this stage, but they do generally look like they're on top of things.
0: I'd say this uh, I I agree with every single word you've just said. I think the Porsche Penske Motorsport journey and story has been one at this point to this point a relative underperformance against expectation. Mm. And every single person involved in that effort is going to be fully well aware of that. And fully well aware, too, that we've got two other Porsches to talk about um, when we finish talking about these these factory cars. same issue in the WEC as well. They, more than I think any other team in this class, have got a point to prove. Yeah, they're They're under pressure. They need to prove that they are the right group to be given the faith with what is a Porsche factory programme in some of the biggest races in the world. And that's not to say that their position is at risk, but the pressure is real and it is there. And it's there from people wearing Porsche gear, and it's there from people wearing Penske gear, including the one that's got Penske in his name. And I think they'll all feel that. That can be a massive motivating factor it can also add pressure in a couple of unwelcome areas as well so I think we're going to see a transformed effort from Porsche Benski Motorsport compared to last season I think you're absolutely right I think it's going to be interesting to see how they wear that pressure and in particular if and when we get into a position where team orders come into this where there might be a little bit of pack hunting uh, and what some of the behaviour on track and on pit lane might be I think this is going to be a very interesting race for Porsche Penske Motorsport and the future of this programme
1: definitely and like you say with the addition of the two privateer run cars which we'll talk about in a moment you have got that bar you can track how well they're doing by where they are in comparison to the privateer teams all the way through this and they have looked most of the time like a step above I would say throughout this event not as clear a cut as it has been at some of the WC events towards the end of last year where the likes of Jota really did look strong.
0: They did indeed. Let's finally f- uh, finish by talking about the two privateers, fan favourites. Both of them, of course, the um, the number 85 car back in JDC Miller Motorsports traditional uh, flying banana all yellow livery. Uh, that is for Richard Westbrook back to JDC Miller Motorsports. Phil Hansen, Ben Keating, and there's a storyline there, of course, and Simon Vanderhelm in the five car for project competition with a Mustang sampling livery aboard that car for the insurance races this season. Jimmy Bruni, Neil Johnny, Alessia Picariello, and Roman Dumas. Let's talk about JDC first. Mm-hmm. Um, great team. Yep. The first privateer team in either hypercar or in gtp in this new era to make an overall podium that should not be ignored no um very capable of of getting to the end of this race at pace in whatever it is they choose to uh to, to, to bring to the fight they make history in this class albeit very early history in this class with the first ever bronze ranked driver in the combined GTP hypercar field with Ben Keating here. He's very motivated. We heard from Phil Hansen in an excellent press conference earlier in the week um, where he utterly dismissed uh, one of our press room colleagues' thoughts that this was kind of holding them back. Uh, it's, uh, i think he, he, i think he expressed it this way you know we were quite worried that they might give him kind of new tires or might <laughs> actually see he, he said he was genuinely nervous but ben keating he won't be in that car for i think very very long we saw him at dpi he was impressive in that he's kept that car on the lead lap that's what his job is going to be my concern is the strength and depth of that driver lineup against some of the, the monster lineups we've seen. Nothing against any of the individual guys involved there. That more than any of the other driver lineups, I think there is a stretch in terms of the proof of talent at this level. Mm. Uh, that but said, they're all drivers with something to prove and that's a great thing to watch in a race car.
1: Yeah, Van Der Helm's have plenty of track time in the 963. Phil Hansen is stepping up to the top class it's for been the first impressive. time this year. And towards the end of his time in MP2, in the last two or three years really has become one of the better drivers in the world in mp yeah. 2 and so you expect him to make that transition he's getting loads of track time he's done he's been out testing with jota for his wc program he's going to be in a Porsche 963 a lot this year yep. and he's going to want to show everybody that he's capable of that immediately and off the bat. to be there yeah and, and um, richard westbrook brings just a wealth of experience to this he wasn't the happiest man on the planet last year in the no. cadillac and he's got his smile back in a way Yeah, and he's, he's delighted
0: to be back with his team isn't he he's
1: really thrilled to be part of this He he's thrilled to be back in IMSA full time and he's thrilled to be with JDC he loves them
0: and, and the, the thing is, uh, I'll say it again for all the reasons we've just mentioned all these drivers with something to prove and that just dangerous. it's dangerous to the rest hmm? it's a straight answer because this is not going to be a team that's going uh, to be shy about showing what pace they've got at any point in this race Mm. And that could be something to watch, actually.
1: The best thing about JDC is that you look at what they do with the resources they've got and how far above their weight they seem to punch every weekend. And you know that all of these teams in LMP2 right now, not just in IMSA, but around the world, are taking a look at what they're doing and saying, we could do that. Just need the budget now. Yeah, just, just need the, the extra $4 million. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the last one, and uh, just because this is the way that the cards kind of fell, is the Proton Competition car, the number five Porsche, with the backing from Mustang Sampling.
1: Another iconic livery to isn't it,
0: isn't Isn't it just? And with the colours as well, the base colours that uh, we've seen with Proton Competition on one of their GT Porsches in recent years, that's quite some driver lineup. The The one... Unknown factor there at this level is Alessio Picariello. who's been doing some LMP2 testing with the Proton team. They've been doing that with a number of Younger Porsche drivers and Alessio Picariello, the Belgian driver with the Italian name. Um, he's one of
1: those drivers that in GTE competition, because of the lineups he was in sometimes, didn't quite get the airtime that he deserved. Yep. He's absolutely rapid, and as we've seen with some of the drivers, particularly the likes of Porsche and Ferrari, you can make the transition from GT if you're really good at it to GTP yep. very, very quickly.
0: Well, there you go. Well, let's look at the other three drivers. Let's look at Neil Gianni. Neil Gianni, uh, world champion in the FI World Insurance Chem- uh, Championship has been quick in GT cars has been very, very quick in a range of uh, prototypes in the past uh, motivated another driver who I know feels he's got things to prove um, and will be taking no prisoners and giving zero mm, about uh, whatever uh, whatever uh, tussles he gets into on track, he's going to be one to watch Roman Dumas for me, the epitome in this current time period of the all-round competition driver. Came here late, uh, compet- after competing in the Dakar Rally, um, has hypercar experience in the Glickenhaus, steps over now into a Porsche, a third generation of Porsche prototype for Roman Demas, a key part of the RS Spider efforts in the American Le Mans series in LMP2. A uh, Le Mans winner, and world champion in the 919 era with Porsche, and now into the 963. That is quite some storyline for him. And then Jimmy Bruni. You talked a little earlier about uh, Talon van der Helm and the, number, the, the amount of time he's had at the win of a 963. Uh, he's rivalled by that, uh, by Jimmy Bruni, who's been part of, of course, the WC effort, as well as this IMSA effort with Proto-Competition, trusted as being a key part of this effort. That... There's a, a man
1: f- who's going to want to beat a Penske Porsche.
0: Isn't he just? There, there uh, my young friend, that is an impressive driver line-up. Yeah, it that, is. That uh, Christian Reed and his team and Michael Reed have put together for the proton uh, team. There is some politics involved here. No, no doubt whatsoever about that. I think if we were to hold a candle under the hand of anybody from Porsche and they had to tell us which of the cars they would favour to win this race of the four they certainly would not mention it being the five or the eighty-five. And there's been occasions when that's shown itself, you know, in in the service that perhaps these privateer teams have received. Trust me, Proton Competition are motivated to beat Penske. Mm. No doubt whatsoever. Can they? They can. They need to be rock solid and very quick in the pits. And that may not be at this point their absolute strength pit discipline is going to be absolutely uh, a key to keeping that car in the hunt without a shadow of doubt yeah
1: I mean the the best thing about this effort is that they've already they'd already started racing in MSGDP last season Correct. and actually showed Towards the end of the year, at no, the they got a podium, didn't they, at Road Atlanta? Well, the other thing to is show just, what they can do.
0: Well, Proton Competition, of course, you know, rather remarkably, came away from the uh, the Rolex 24 last year with two wins. They won in LMP2. They're not back in LMP2, and they won in GTD Pro. And rather remarkably, because they ran the WeatherTech car, the AMG, rather remarkably, they're back in the other two classes this year. They're back in GTD, and they're back in GTP. Do I think they're going to win this race? No, I don't. Okay, but I think they're going to give it one hell of a go, and that brings us all the way around, finally, to that moment where you've got to tell me who you think is going to take this uh, this race win for this Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona for 2024.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost if the worst thing about this is it almost feels too easy to pick the 31, the basis that it now holds but with Pippa Durani, the all-time lap record of this circuit after qualifying. <laughs>
0: I'm going to go with the zero one Cadillac. I'm going to disagree with you, which I've done on every single class, and it's not just because I loathe you more than words can say. It's because you want to make for an entertaining show full of lovely debate. That would be great. Would it be great if politics was was done like that as well? But yeah. it isn't. Uh, so let's let's go down that road. I am going to say the thirty one Cadillac. I'm not counting out though the prospects of any of the other factory cars and i do think it's going to be a factory car that takes this win i sincerely hope we do see the privateers involved in the tussles throughout this race as we did with the privateers at le mans last year of course this is the i think the this is the first race of course we've had the privateer cars here in the relics 24 they were both delivered late uh, last season i think though we have got one heck of a battle Uh, Certainly, in the early parts of this race, and because of the way in which the rule set in IMSA here shows itself, that you can almost be guaranteed that that's going to be carrying on for a good chunk of this Rolex 24 Hours Mm. at Daytona. Well, I say thank you uh, to you, Stephen Kilby, for. Giving up the time, uh, you need to go back into the press uh, press room and type faster to catch up with the vast amount of the time that you've wasted coming here and talking rather than typing for Daily Sports Car and Racer. I, I do apologise. Th- that's okay. Yeah, yeah, and you should. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Marshall Pruitt, who is sitting is with us here in one of the radio rooms, um, for two things. One is because the, the amount of snack wrapper ruffling we heard was down. There you go. It's down to a very small amount. And the second thing is awesome content from Marshall. His principal uh, client here is indeed him, so if you've got time to catch up with some of the great stuff that's going out on YouTube... This week, before or even during this race on the second screen, urge you to do so. we
2: did a live podcast today. <clears throat> kind of we did
0: indeed do a live podcast today uh, with, with with those two. Guys. I'd never seen them before. These those two guys,
2: disgusting humans,
0: disgusting humans. I was. You said Rossi was coming. I was. I was. I was expecting Valentino, but was disappointed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we got the discount version.
0: Discount. Discount. Uh, uh, Valer Rossi. Uh, sorry, uh, it was of course uh, Alexander Rossi and. And it was it was the battle of the podcasts, and we won. We won. Of course, you did.
2: They suck. They, yeah, they but do. We did that before. <laughs> you, you have go. to have a podcast
1: showdown. How did you settle the battle of the Podcast Was it was there a weaponry involved, or was it all about? Yeah, we were
0: thinking of going and doing the Anchorman thing. You what, know,
1: you just uh, grenades, walk in with a grenade, with bats, the yeah. flaming Molotov cocktails. Yeah. Yeah, I did think it was kicking off in the paddock. I didn't realise that's what no, it was. No, no, no. We,
0: we eventually decided it was the, the five Cup race. We just decided to go on the basis of pure luck So on that basis alone, of course, as you know, Marshall and I, we've, we we turned their ass. It, it, we just it beat them out of the park. Steve Bortolotti was their team manager. He agreed, and even if he tells me now that he didn't, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. So good luck, boys, with the uh, the FAF McLaren. But uh, in terms of podcastability. Um, You've it, lost in, the first race of the weekend, haven't you? There you go And by the way, um, I should say This weekend's 6th anniversary of the weekend Sports Cars Started here in 2018 MP's efforts with the weekend in Indy Cars And the uh, Marshall Prove podcast Two years more than that So long-standing heritage now in this marketplace And congratulations to both of you Because it has been an
1: awesome ride to listen to this podcast And its audience develop Thank Genuinely him. Give, give him that $5 note I gave
0: you earlier <laughs> give him that.
2: He Just lies Lies Oh. So much ease. Yeah, because i going to make him work hard. Thank yeah. you for that, though. Right. Thank you for that. You're more than welcome. We love it.
0: We we know because you tell us, uh, listeners, that you seem to like it as well. We will be doing more and more of it as time goes on. We hope to get some more content together. Um, hopefully during this weekend, and, sh- and certainly to wrap it up before Stephen and I head off for our next adventures in the Asian of series next weekend. He's been Stephen Kilby. The man in the background typing fast is Marshall Pruitt, the podcat, uh, God, podcast <laughs> podcast of course bears his name. I've been Graham Goodwin with thanks to Faf Technologies to the uh, Justice Brothers and to Toronto Motorsports.com This has been the preview edition for the Rolex 24 hours of 2024 for the weekend sports cars part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast collection and we will speak to you later this weekend. Enjoy the race guys
2: Why'd you lie to him? We're not talking to him later. Are we? I don't know. Are we? I think we should. Okay. I'll stop recording (laughs) then.